Alright, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Last week we talked about missions giving and we went, we did chapter 8. We saw an example of how people gave, what they gave for. They, we talked about, you know, Paul, we see several references in other books, in the book of Acts, in the book of Romans. He mentions trying to collect for the poor saints that were at Jerusalem, wanting them to be a blessing, being a blessing to other Christians. And you know, one thing, and we covered this a little bit last week, but I want to do it again this week because so we're going to talk. We're going to be talking about missions giving again because it's covered here again in chapter nine. We see a little more about it, but we saw in chapter eight while there was. It was very specific what they were given for. Many times when it comes to giving in the Bible, especially when it comes to tithes, there's all kinds of stuff going around about how tithing is an Old Testament thing. We are not commanded to give our tithes and offerings to the church anywhere in the New Testament. And you know what? I think it's very I think I can agree and say that in the New Testament, I don't see a command to tithe to the church. I'll admit that I don't see it there in the New Testament. I'll admit that the get missions giving that we see here, it's not going to missionaries that are going to go and spend four years in a foreign mission field and come back for a year on furlough. We don't see it done exactly in the Bible here like we see it being done today. However, does that make it wrong? Okay? You know, is it? I mean, does anybody think it's wrong for us to raise money to send people to give the gospel in other parts of the world? I mean, there's definitely nothing in the Bible commanded against it, is there? And aren't we supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Well, you go try being a witness on the other side of the world without some financial support, and let's see how far you get. Okay. It's just not it's not gonna happen. And I think, you know, these missionaries and these a lot of these mission boards and things, I think they do their best to find the best ways to get people over there, to keep it as cheap as possible. I think they do their best to try to use God's money in a good way. And it's real easy to try to, you know, nitpick out of some of this stuff that we see here. And you know, as we study this, we don't do it exactly the way that it but does it mean we're what we're doing is wrong? Yeah, you know, if it's yeah, just because we don't see a New Testament command to tithe to the church, does that mean it is a sin for you to tithe to your church? Obviously not, because we do see in the Bible that a church is supposed to, you know, take care, you know, one they're supposed to, you know, to pay the pastor. We do see that very clear. Well, where's the money going to come from? Okay, well, it obviously comes from the offerings of people in the church. So, how much do we give? Well, all the time in the New Testament, it uses it will refer to Old Testament principles as the example of what we're supposed to do in the New Testament. For example, when it comes to paying the preacher, you know, how do we know we're supposed to pay the preacher? Well, they used Old Testament scripture for that. And what scripture did they use? Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Okay, that was a verse that was talking about how to treat your cow while it's doing the work. And it applied it to how we're supposed to do things in the New Testament. And I thank God that he had Paul 
do that. Because can you imagine if we didn't have Paul's writings on that? If we tried doing that? I mean, people, they would laugh us you know, off the face of the earth. I mean, they would say, you're nuts, you're crazy. But Old Testament principles are supposed to guide us, aren't they? And we see you know, that tithes was one of the big things that they were supposed to do. They were commanded to do. And they had all kinds of different offerings. They had wave offerings and things. And then you've got a lot of these people too that are against the tithes. And never do you see in the Old Testament where they tithed money. Okay, Which... They will even show you exceptions in there. But it was usually food that they would tithe. Or it was animals that they would tithe. Okay? But, that makes perfect sense because guess what the church, or guess what the, they needed back then? Well, they needed animals to sacrifice. Well, the Levites didn't have land, did they? So if the Levites weren't allowed to have land, how can they raise all these animals that they need to use for the sacrifices? Okay? They had to tithe with the animals because that's what they needed to do the sacrifices, you know, to do all the things they did. They would tithe food because they didn't have farms, so where would they get their food from? So that was a lot of their currency or how they did things back then. But today, what in the world would our church do today if you all tithe with animals and food? Well, we wouldn't. Know, we wouldn't have any place to put them, would we? You know, we wouldn't know. What to do? Things were different the way you know things worked back then. The way they operated, and I think today, the way we're doing things in church with offerings, with missions giving, I think clearly, while it's not spelled out in the New Testament, the principles are very clear that that is what's being followed today. And so, you know, don't let these people try to fool you. A lot of these are internet preachers telling you you shouldn't tithe to their church. And one of the reasons an internet preacher would tell you you don't have to tithe to your church is that way you'll have more money to send offerings to him. Okay, and so don't don't fall for that. And uh, and so when we talk about the giving here today, again, you know, we call it missions giving. We see they're giving money to poor saints in Jerusalem. I get that, but I don't think it's inappropriate for us to apply this to missions giving. Okay. And so, verse 1 in chapter 9, after saying all that, it says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. So basically what all is being said here is, you know, Paul was telling them, you know, as far as ministering to the saints, you know, it's it's superfluous. It's it's more than necessary for me to write this to you. You all know what I'm talking about. You know this real well. I've been, and he's basically telling them, I've been bragging on you. I've been boasting on you. I've been telling these people, hey, these folks are going to help. These people, this Corinthian church, they are going to contribute. This place is doing well financially. They are going to come through and they are going to be a blessing. But he told them, I didn't want you all, I didn't want to be ashamed after all this boasting that we did. 
I didn't want to be ashamed when I sent them and you didn't have anything. So I sent them, I sent some men ahead of time so you all could prepare. So you would be ready whenever this offering took place. He was telling them, you know, you need, you know, I want to prepare you. And to be involved in giving, it is something that you have to prepare for. It's something that you have to plan on. Okay, I mean, I, I don't. Maybe you all in here are different, but I'm not the kind of person that I just have like extra money laying around all the time. I, I really don't. I mean, my wallet right now, I'm actually doing pretty good right now. I think I got like four dollars in my wallet right now. Yeah, I think I got, I got like four dollars right now. That's about you know three more than I usually have, maybe four. <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't usually have a lot of cash on me. Um, you know, I, I don't have extra money laying around. Okay. I don't have a lot of extra money in my budget, okay? I think most of us can probably agree to that. But so if I decide but that I or, you know, who doesn't want to be a big blessing? You know, whenever there's a great need, who doesn't want to play a part in that? Okay? And for me, if I'm going to be a blessing to others, I'm going to have to plan on it. I'm going to have to prepare. It's not going to it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, I might have to save up I'm going to have, this is something I am going to have to plan on all year long. And many people, you know, it's like they, they talk about how I'd love to be a blessing. Oh, man, if, you know, if I won the lottery, you know, man, I'd give a million dollars of it to missions. You know, if I won a million dollars, I'd give half of it to the church. It's like, no, you're not, you're a liar. You won't even give 10%. You would not, you would not do that. You know, people think if I just had a bigger amount of money, all of a sudden I would be smart with my money. All of a sudden I would be generous with my money. It's like no, you wouldn't. The Bible teaches, you know, that uh, it's you know, he who's faithful in little is faithful in much. And if, if you're not faithful in much, you're not going to be faithful in little, vice versa. And you have to prepare. You have to you have to plan on these things. Romans chapter 15, verse 26. This is kind of a, a reference to the same thing. It says, "For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints." which are at Jerusalem. And here in verse 2, he mentions Macedonia and Achaia. They were ready a year ago. And you know, and he tells them, your zeal hath provoked many. You know, their, their willingness, their anxiousness to give, it motivated other people. Okay? Cause, and here's the thing too. You know, you can just, you know, like us as a church, okay, we can inspire other people to give. I've been to churches before as small and smaller than ours, and I've seen how many missionaries they support. I'm just like, what in the world? I mean, I have been to many churches before that I am just amazed at what these churches are doing for missions. And you know what's funny about churches I've been to like that? They all seem to be doing fine financially. And I know there's two ways we can look at it. Well, that church is doing a lot for missions because they're rich. Well, maybe that church is rich because they're doing a lot for missions. You ever think about that? Which one is it? I don't know for sure. I can't prove it either way. You know, maybe we ought to just have a little bit of faith. But you know, when I see that, it, you know, it motivates me. You know, when I hear about what other, uh, you know, what other people have, what other individuals have done, when I've heard about what other people have sacrificed so they can give 
to missions. There's a lot of people that they do. They'll go to these missions conferences and things, or their church will have one. And man, they do. They just get it. They'll hear those missionaries tell their stories and they'll see the things they're trying to accomplish and they get a burden. And all of a sudden, a lot of the things that this world has to offer, they don't seem real important to them anymore. They start thinking, you know, I really don't need some of this junk that I have in my life. You know, if we canceled our cable, we could support a missionary. And they start to think things like missions is more important than cable. You know, and maybe they you know, maybe they share that testimony. You know, other people see that person, man, they're they're giving this much to missions and we're making more money than they are. And it, it motivates the next person to do that. And that's kind of what they the Corinthian church did. Their zeal had provoked very many. And so then verse six says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Okay, the blessings of your giving, it depends on the measure of your giving. Okay, you know, the measure. How much of a sacrifice is it? For some people, you know, giving that extra ten dollars is going to be a huge sacrifice. For others, it's no big deal at all. And the Lord looks at that. We all know the story of the widow who cast her two mites into the treasury. They had all the other people that were go and they were, you know, casting in all these, you know, this abundance, you know, putting on a big show. Jesus talked about those who sound the trumpets before they give. You know, and I—it's amazing the things that the Bible, I mean, just spells out that it is wrong. You should not do it, but yet it's a common practice. And remember how the Bible talks about how when you give, you know, not to sound a trumpet. And yet, I've literally been in services. Where you know they do the all right, folks, we got we got to raise money for this. You know, I, you know, I, I need pledges. You know, I, you know who, who's going to pledge fifty dollars for this? You know, you know, you know, brother Lonnie, he just pledged fifty dollars. You know, you know, and, you know, then I mean, publicly, everybody's announcing what they're going to give, and it's almost like a big show. And you know, and then all of a sudden, brother so and so stands up, I'm going to give a thousand dollars, and you hear the whole oh, you hear the whole congregation just kind of gasp, but maybe they start clapping. You know, nobody clapped for the fifty dollars, <laughs> but everybody clapped. Everybody got excited. Everybody started shouting when the person said the big number. And you know, it's very possible the person who gave the fifty dollars, in the eyes of God, gave a greater measure, gave more than the person with the thousand dollars. But we don't care about that, do we? You know, and the Bible, according to the Bible, it's you know what measure. And if you sow bountifully, okay, this is just this is a you know, just a biblical principle we see everywhere. When you sow bountifully, if you sow a lot of seed, you're more likely to produce a lot of fruit, aren't you? If you sow a little, you're more likely to reap a little. And so, therefore, in the in the giving area, you know, when you do more, you got a better chance of reaping bountifully. It's the same thing with good works. You know, you go doing good works. You know, the more you do, the more likely you are to be blessed. The more bad works you sow, okay, you reap. You know, have you ever had somebody say you reap what you sow? Now that can be a good thing, can it? But how many, when you hear you reap what you sow, you get scared? Has that ever happened before? I mean, I've been there before. I remember when I started teaching at the school at Lighthouse, I immediately started reaping things that I had sowed when I was in school. I mean, I literally, 
I almost started believing in purgatory when I started teaching at the school over there. I, I almost started believing in it, and I didn't. I, I never was fully convinced until I started working out at the distribution center, and now I do believe in purgatory. And uh, I, I'm not. I'm just kidding, but I feel like it sometimes. But you, you uh, sometimes you reap what you sow. It's an exciting thing. Sometimes it's a scary thing. And if you've done a lot of bad stuff, you're more likely to reap a lot of bad stuff. But if you're doing a lot of good stuff, you're more likely to reap a lot of good stuff. And so we've got to we've got to think about that. Okay, when you know what measure ye meet, it will be measured to you again. And then verse seven: Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth. A cheerful giver. Okay, so notice what it says here. It says, "As a man purposeth in his heart." How many has ever, you know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you ever given from the hand? I guess you could say, but you weren't given from the heart. <sighs> Got to write my tithe check out. You ever, you ever been there before? I mean, he just. You did it because you knew you were supposed to, but you didn't want to do it. You put it in, but it wasn't from the heart. You know, don't raise your hand, guys. How many of you ever bought your wife a birthday present or an anniversary gift, and you were just trying to get something to make sure you didn't get in trouble that day, and it it wasn't really from the heart. You know, all right, it's a birthday. I got to get something. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Uh, What can I get that will you know keep me in good standing? And you know. And you did it, but it wasn't from the heart. And you know, here's a bad thing: you know, women can usually tell too. And so, you know, they, they, all right, now I didn't know that. Now I really got to work hard. You know, how, how am I going to make this come from the heart? You know, that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, and then women will give you know, you'll 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 try to do all that stuff, and and you don't do it right because it's still not really coming from the heart, and they can't tell. And it's like, you know, I got you exactly what did you want? What you wanted? You know, what's I just want you to want to give me something. You know what, what are they trying to say? I want this to be from the heart. Okay? And that's what God wants too. He wants it to be from the heart. This is something that you're doing because you want to. And you know, and once again, we're talking about giving, we're talking about specifically with missions. And the Bible says, every man as he purposed in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly, grudgingly or on necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now here's remember, you have to plan to give, don't you? This isn't you're not just gonna accidentally start doing this. You are not just gonna all of a sudden, boom, you've got the money to tithe and give the missions or give the building fund or or whatever. It's not just gonna happen. You have to plan on it. You've got a plot. And here Bible says as you purpose in your heart, and here's the thing. You're never going to be a giver if you don't want to be. It's just, I'm telling you right now, you cannot get, it's hard to get anybody to do stuff they don't want to do. Okay, there's been people before that have visited church here, and it's like to get, keep them in church, I've got to just be on top of them all the time. I've got to visit them all the time. I practically have to twist their arm. And you know what? I just decided a long time ago, if people don't want to be here, I'm not going to make them. You know, they're just they're going to bring in a bad spirit, and I don't want to have to twist people's arms. I don't want to have to twist people's arms to get them here on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. If people want to be here, they will be here. They'll find a way, 
And if people want to give, they'll give. People do what they want to do with their money. People do foolish things they want to do with their money. Why do you think people will go and buy $5 drinks at Starbucks? $5 drinks. Why do they do that? It tastes really good. And they want to do it. I mean, this stuff's unhealthy for you. I mean, it's not good. It's so expensive, but people will do it. And I'm telling you, every once in a while, I will go and I'll get one of those, uh, around this time, get those pumpkin spice frappuccinos, the cold ones. And they're like four and a half bucks. But man, they are good. I don't even want to know how many calories are in those things and what kind of, you know, there's all, I'm sure it's horrible for you. But it tastes good. It's a waste of money. But you know what? Sometimes I do it because I want to. And it's funny, people will get all over pastors and churches always trying to get these people to give their money. You know, give money for this, give money for that. That's just ridiculous. But here's the thing, we don't make anybody. You know, we don't confiscate. You know, we don't, you know, put a lien on your house if you're not giving right. We don't, you know, automatically deduct money from your paychecks. We don't do any of those things like the government does. You know, we don't do anything like that. But yet, people, you know, people that give, they do it voluntarily. And people, if you don't want to give, you're just not going to. I can't make you do it. You can't make people do stuff with money that they don't want to do. You know why people run up credit cards? Because they wanted to buy that item bad. They wanted that big screen TV. They wanted whatever it was. They wanted that new couch or, uh, you know, they wanted the new dishes or those new clothes. They wanted those and they found a way to get it. And people who want to give, they find a way to give. We see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, people were selling their houses and land and everything and laying it at the apostles' feet. And you know why they did that? They wanted to. They wanted to give, and so they did it. But listen, and I mean this, as much as we want your money around here, don't do it if you're going to do it with a bad attitude. Don't give if you're going to do it with a bad attitude. Because here's the thing, people who give, you know, grudgingly and of necessity, those are the ones who complain about how the church spends money. They're the ones who raise the biggest stinks in the business meetings. They're the ones that cause all the trouble. I've told this story before, but it fits the message so good I'm going to tell it again. There was, you know, it's, it's not a true story. It's just a story that goes real good with my message. So I'm going to tell it. But there was a fellow one time that threw a great big fit because he went and looked in the closet at the church and there were three brand new brooms. Three brand new brooms. And he's like, why do we need three of them? And man, he was upset. And he, he went complaining to the pastor. He's like, Pastor, I saw three brand new brooms. We only have one person at a time clean this church. We don't, why do we need to buy three brooms? That was a waste of money. I think the church needs to be more responsible with the money. And the pastor's like, well, I don't know what's going on. I'll go look and do it. And he went and talked to the treasurer and said, hey, you know, somebody was upset about those brooms. You know, you know why we got three brooms? And you know why this fellow was so upset about it? And he said, he said, yeah, well, we did get three brooms. Maybe that was a little bit unnecessary. But pastor, you've got to understand where that man's coming from. He's like, well, where's he coming from? He said, he said, pastor, if all the money you had given in the last year was used to buy brooms, you'd complain too. I don't know if y'all get that, but <laughs> people who give the least are sometimes the biggest complainers. You know why? Because they didn't want to give in the first place. And so they're mad about it. They complain about every little thing. Oh, I can't believe you all spent that money and just threw the candy off the roof of the kids. What a waste of money. Hey, you know what? 
Those kids back there, they've been coming ever since we did that. You know, I say it was worth it. I don't know that was all that got. I mean, they'd probably come anyway, but even if it helped, I don't care. It was worth it. It was a good time. And, you know, we're allowed to be liberal in our giving. You, you want to talk about liberal? Going and buying a bunch of candy and just throwing it off a roof of kids. That's pretty liberal. And it's okay when it comes to giving. But if, if you're going to do it with a bad attitude, you know, we're not going to be able to enjoy these things. And so, you know what? Just don't give. Because, you know, the people who don't give anything... They know they they don't usually say anything. They know to keep their mouth shut. I didn't contribute. I didn't do anything. It wasn't mine, so I'm not going to complain. And so we just rather not have the money. You know, don't give out of obligation. You know, don't give not grudgingly or on necessity. God loves the cheerful giver. Remember, you have, and you have to plan on it. And here's the thing: you cannot be a cheerful giver when you're starving to death. You can't do it. If your finances are such a wreck that if you're so bad off that you barely have enough food to eat, you're not going to be able to be a cheerful giver. It's just it's not going to happen. And that's why you've got all these people too. You know, I can't believe these churches, they try to get people's money that they could be using to buy their kids food. And you know, it's funny how people they never, you know, when it comes to their offerings, I've either got a Give money to the church or buy food for my kids. Well, how come it's never I've either got to give money to the church or pay for my satellite? You know, why isn't it that? Why is it ever I have to give money to the church or I've got to quit buying beer? You know, why is why is it none of those things? Why is it always food for the kids? You ever thought about that before? You know, it's because they're just trying to make the church, you know, sound greedy and make them sound noble for not giving. But the truth is, you will not be a cheerful giver if you're starving to death. You will not be a cheerful giver if you owe everyone money. If you've got everybody, all these bill collectors calling you and bothering you, you are not going to be a cheerful giver. And you're not going to be a cheerful giver if you're just focused on yourself. If you're just, you know, if every time you put money in the offering, okay, I mean, how often do you go to the store and you see things that you would like, but you just, you don't have the money for it? Maybe, you know, not big, big expensive things, but things that cost $50, $100, or maybe things that cost around what you put in the offering plate on a regular basis. And, you know, if you, if you look at that, if you put that $50 in the offering plate, and you're like, you know, well, there goes that video game I wanted to buy. <laughs> you're not going to be a cheerful giver. And, you know, if, if every time, you know, oh, looks like I've got to buy groceries this week and can't eat out every night, you know, because that extra money, if, if that's your attitude, you're not going to be a cheerful giver. And I, and listen, you know, this a lot of what I'm saying can be interpreted the wrong way. We're, all right, so you know, brother Tommy, are you teaching that if, you know, we're struggling financially that we don't have to tithe? Listen, I would never, you know, I I'm I'm not I wouldn't want to say that. I wouldn't try to say that, you know, when it comes to your tithes and offerings, it's between you and God. However, what I am saying is if you're having all these financial troubles, you're not going to be a cheerful giver. It's just not going to happen. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And in order to be a cheerful giver, you've got to be in control of your finances. And that's why it's so important to plan. If you want to give, okay, you're going to be a little more careful to keep yourself out of financial trouble. If you really want to give to things like missions, you are going to be more careful when you're at the car dealer. 
thinking about what car to buy. That car that you're going to be making a monthly payment on maybe for the next six or seven years. Okay? You're going to be very careful about which one you buy if you really want to give to the work of the Lord. You're going to think about that. You know, that house that you buy, you're going to think about that payment. Hey, if I get, you know, the bank told me I can afford a mortgage at this much a month, but the bank doesn't know that I want to give to my local church. I want to give to missions. You have to think about those things. You've got you've got a plan way ahead. And listen, if you go out tomorrow, and you could you could, you can go out, and if you've got good credit, boy, you could run. You could have so much fun; it's not even funny. You could you could run up so much debt that you know and make your head swim, and you could have a great time. But here's the thing: you will not be a cheerful giver after that because you're going to be fighting and struggling, trying to figure out how to pay for all these bills, and then. There's going to be missionaries that are going to come through. And you're going to get a burden for the work that they're trying to do. And you're going to be thinking the whole time when you're, when you're wanting to give that money, when you're wanting to write that check, I owe this person money, I owe that person money, I'm behind on my gas bill, they're threatening to shut off my electricity, you know, I have no food in my refrigerator. You can't be a cheerful giver, can you? And I guess what I'm trying to say tonight is, in order, you know, if you want to get involved and be a part of this, it's not a matter of just choosing and deciding tonight, I want to be a giver. You've got to be somebody that's got your financial house in order. You've got to be somebody that's, you know, very thrifty. Somebody that's got some wisdom with their money. You're going to have to be somebody, you know, that's hardworking. That's able to, you know, you, know, to, to, you have to have it to be able to give it. I mean, who wouldn't love? You know, you have these missionaries come to, hey, you know, we're trying to build this church building in Africa. You know, it's going to cost $5,000. Who wouldn't love to just give the $5,000 and just, hey, you know what? I got that. I'll pay for that whole thing. Brother Spencer Smith is going to be here. They're always, you know, doing these different projects over there in Kenya uh, where he goes and they're always building churches and he's always got these projects that I'll get the, the letters from they're trying to raise money for. And wouldn't it be fun? To just be able to call him up and say, "Hey, you know what? I want to take care of this five thousand dollar project." And you know what? If one of us wanted to bad enough, it could be done. How? Well, you're going to have to save for a really long time, probably. You know, you might you might have to work some overtime. I mean, whatever it takes. If we want to do it, there's ways to do it. But you do you have to plan. You're going to have to have your financial house in order. And most people today, they just, you know, we spend everything we get. Well, you've got to save. You have to plan. It's just not going to happen. And if we could get that in our head, then I think we'd be okay. A lot of times, some people, they'll give money. You know, it's like they get, you know, the, the preacher will put so much pressure on them. You know, man, we, folks, we've got to get this person in the mission field. We, you know, we've got to raise money for this project. You know, if, if you, I wouldn't want to be you on Judgment Day if you don't give that money. You know, folks, we, we've got to raise some money for them, and I would not want to be you on Judgment Day. You know how many little kids are going to go to hell because you all didn't give money tonight? Come on! You know, cough it up. <laughs> oh. And we, you know, we write the check and then, you know, we get ourselves in trouble because we gave 
Money that we didn't really have to give. Listen, if you given money to the church means you're not going to be able to pay, you're not going to pay money to other people that you owe. You didn't give that money to the church. They gave that money to the church against their will. You you can't do that. I've had people do that before, where they have made promises for me. It's like, what? I had somebody do that one time. You know, I, I told my kids that you were, you know you were going to just and basically tell me I had to do it. It's like. Really? Well, what if I tell my kids you're going to give them all 20 bucks? But you have to do it because I already told my kids. I can't do that. That's not right. And if you owe some guy out there 500 bucks, don't put $500 in this offering plate. That's not you giving it. It's him giving it. And if he doesn't okay it, don't do it. Alright? That's not how it works. And sometimes I think people do. They get, they feel so bad that they end up getting themselves in financial trouble in church. You know, I've heard of churches too where you can pay your tithes and offerings with a card. Okay? And listen, I understand it's 2015 and you know there's new technology and you can do that as a debit. I understand all that. But listen, people get themselves with those hunks of plastic all the time. Okay? All the time. And you know what? If you can't even plan enough to be able to write a check or go get the cash, we would just rather not get your offering. Alright? You ought to be able to do it that way. We're not going to get a credit card swiper here in the church, so you can give that way. Okay? Write a check, go withdraw the money from the bank. We are not going to get you in financial trouble here at the church. Okay? People are foolish with those things, and I just, I don't think that's a good idea. Do I think it's a sin? No. Do I think it's a bad idea? Yes. And we're not going to do that. Alright? Because we, we don't want you to do anything foolish. Because, said, you know, I, I, I will never forget when I bought that blue van, that I never felt so good buying a vehicle in my life. You know why? Because I wrote a check, one that wasn't rubber, for that van. It felt so good. It was one of the cheapest vehicles I've ever bought. But man, I felt wonderful. And man, that vehicle, it was a good vehicle. That is still going today, and, I, and I'm, I'm thrilled to death about that. But you know what? Yeah, I've bought a lot of other vehicles, not with one check where I signed my name one time, with all those papers that you sign a hundred papers, and it just doesn't feel good. I've made you know I've made purchases for foolish things that never bothered me because I did. I paid cash. I had the cash. I was able to do it. But I've made other purchases with that stupid card. I didn't enjoy it at all. And you know what? You're not going to enjoy giving when you have to swipe a card and then think about how you're going to pay. I don't want you to have to pay interest on the tithe that you gave to the church. Okay, You're not going to be a cheerful giver if that kind of thing happens. And we want... God loves a cheerful giver and it ought to be our desire to figure out how we can get ourselves to that point. I'm not going to do a whole seminar... On you know how to handle your finances, okay? I don't want to tell people how to control their finances. I mean, if, if you want help, uh, you know, I, I gladly help give advice. I've got some good books on the subject. There's a lot of Bible principles, but to be a cheerful giver, it, it's not just going to happen. You're not just going to if you if your finances are a mess. I can't tell you a way to just make yourself smile when you do it. You've got to get your ducks in a row. And when you do, man, you're going to be a cheerful giver. And 
it's so exciting. I will never forget when we, back when we had paid off all of our debt. I will never forget, not long after we paid off our debt, we actually started saving a little bit of money. And I remember the tires were bad on our vehicle. And we had to go buy new tires. And for the first time ever, I went and I had to make a big purchase you know, of tires. And I paid cash for it. I, you know, and it's tires, okay? That's not, that's not an exciting purchase, is it? But it was thrilling for me. You know why? Because I had the money for it. I paid cash for it. I didn't have to use a stinking credit card. And it felt good buying tires. And when you've got your finances in a row and you are able to just give that extra money because you want to and you have it to give and you're not robbing somebody to give it, you're not going to have to worry about starving death to give it, it feels wonderful. And God loves a cheerful giver because being you know, godly with your finances and pleasing God with your finances is not just about giving. It's how you handle all the money. And we see here how you know Paul. He warned these people. You know, he wanted. He knew they were going to need a plan. He knew they were going to need to prepare. It wasn't just going to happen. He wanted to give them some heads up so they could plot and they could plan and they could figure out and they could you know do some extra work, whatever they had to do to be a blessing to these poor saints that were that were at Jerusalem. And so verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So, you know, when you give to these poor here, God promised His provision here. He said, You're going to have all things. God's going to give you grace. That's, that's unmerited favor. You're going to get more than what you deserve. You're not going to get things that you do deserve when you give like that. I mean, you're going to abound. In every good work, if you've if you've got this in order, if you're doing this, you're going to be doing good on other things too. And we touched on this a little bit last week. But listen, giving does not take away other responsibilities that you have. Just because you give doesn't mean you don't you now don't have to witness. Well, I you know I give a hundred dollars a month to missionaries so they can take the gospel around the world. I don't need to worry about my neighbors. No, you still need to worry about your neighbors too. You know, I give you know the biggest tithe. I give more money to the church than anybody else, and therefore, you know, I don't need to worry about you know godly living. I can I can afford. I can be more liberal, and the pastor better not dare preach against any of my sins because if he does, you know, I'm out. And if I go, my offerings go too. And you know what? If that's your attitude, take your money and go ruin some other church with it. That's the way. That's the way I look at it. And you're still supposed to do all the other good works. And here he said, you know, God, He'll make all grace abound. You'll be sufficient in all things and you'll abound to every good work. Giving, you know, being a good giver is, it's just one of many things that we're supposed to do. And there are, there's a lot of people that are in some churches and that's pretty much all they do is give money and that's it. And listen, you know, it'd be, I remember there was a guy for a while he hadn't attended my dad's church in years and all of a sudden started sending offerings to the church. Good offerings. It was just out of the blue. The guy had not been at church in years and for some reason all of a sudden started sending his offerings to the church. And I don't remember how long it lasted. It didn't last real long, but my dad was like, man, I could handle 
thousands of members like these. I mean, you never see them. They never cause you any trouble, but they're just sending their money in. That would be a blessing. But you know, at the same time, you know, just sending in money, it doesn't take away any other responsibilities. You're still supposed to be doing everything else too. You still need to come to church. Okay? You still need to try to be involved and try to be a blessing and exhort one another. And verse 9 says, um, And as it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Okay, and that is a reference to Psalms chapter 112. We're not going to take time to go back and look, but he's quoting from Psalms 112 there. But we remember, you know, that the in this passage too, this poor that he's talking about giving. This is this is very important. The poor that the Bible says it's poor saints. Okay, in America today, a lot of times there's a difference between the poor, like the Bible talks about. And the wicked and the backslid. Okay? A lot of what's considered the poor people today that are struggling, that don't have food, you know why they don't have food for their kids? Because they spend it all on marijuana and alcohol. They spend it all on lottery tickets. And many times those are the ones that we look at as the poor. We see in the Bible where it talks about how we're supposed to help the widows, you know, the fatherless, the widows. But many times, you know, the ones that all of our help in the country goes to, it's not widows, but it's unwed mothers. Okay, The dads are alive, they're just not taking care of the kids. And we have a massive population in this country of people that have their hand out to the government, they have their hand out to church, they call here all the time that they are not, they're not widows, they're unwed mothers that had no respect for themselves, let some guy have his way with them, They've got kids and they don't know what to do. There's people that they don't have money that are try- that have their hand out all the time because they're wasting everything they have on drugs and alcohol. They can't get a good job because they've got all kinds of things on their record because they've committed all these crimes. You know, are we obligated as Christians to you know raise large amounts of money and give it to them? No. Can we help them if we want to? Yes, we can. But we're not, you know. I don't believe there's an obligation here. Here it's talking about poor saints. These were people that were Christians. They were in church. They were ones that were responsible for sending them to places like the Corinthian church. That were responsible for them getting the gospel, and they were going to be a, you know, they were going to try to be a blessing in return. There was a famine going on there in Israel, and these people they were doing good, and they had a, they had an opportunity to give something back. And if we have somebody in the church, I really think, you know, before we start, you know, giving money away to people in the community, just because they got their hand out and they've got their hand out everywhere and their hand in as many people's pockets as they can, I think we ought to be taking care of people here first. You know, I get people all the time, they call asking if we help pay people's, you know, electric and gas bills. And I think it would be wrong for us to pay someone who's never come to this church to pay their gas bill if there's somebody in our church that's struggling paying their gas bill. I think that's, I think that's dead wrong. And uh, I told that to a fellow one time on the phone. And you know, he's like, it was when I was at Lighthouse. And he called and was asking money for all these things. And I said, you know, we're probably not going to be able to help you. And he, he starts arguing with me. You know, like he's entitled to the money or something. I just said, listen, bud. I said, we've got people in our church that are struggling to pay their bills. You know, why should we 
help you that we don't even know who's never even been in our church before them. He's like, well, because we're all God's children, you know, we're not supposed to just you know give to you know those that are in our church. You know, we're supposed to help everybody. Well, guess what? We can't afford to help everybody. And so if we're going to help somebody, we're going to help people that we know are going to go blow the money that we give on alcohol and who knows what. You know, we're going to take care of our own first. And I don't think that's inappropriate. I don't think that's unbiblical. And the poor that you see them talking about in the Bible, it's not talking about some drunk and some drug addict that's out there. It's talking about, you know, people who come on hard times because there was a famine in the land. It was something that was beyond their control. It wasn't because they had, you know, lost everything at the gambling boat. Okay? It was because they came on hard times. And so just, you know, keep that in mind. And we have we have created in this country through our the welfare programs just uh, this a culture of people that don't want to do anything, that don't want to work, that just have their hand out all the time. And you know what? You keep putting something in it, they're going to keep putting their hand out. And I've seen that here. Boy, I've got one person that will I helped them one time, and they will not stop calling me all the time wanting more and more. And it's like, y'all realize you have you to think about. I've got six kids. you know, And you're just constantly on... I can't afford to raise another kid or to support another kid. You're going to have to do something for yourself. But people don't think that way. And I would, I'd rather help a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Well, that that's wrong. You know what? What good are you doing if you only help your own? Listen, you can help others if you want to, but if somebody else out there acts like they are entitled to what is mine, then you know what? Forget that person. <laughs> I don't. I hate that attitude. That is dead wrong. But you know the provision that God talks about here. You know it is for things that you need. And the ability to do good. Remember, he said he'll make all grace to abound. He'll do every good work. If God gave many people everything they wanted, they would be out of the will of God so fast. You know why a lot of people are even in church today? It's because they're going through hard times. I see this all the time. People, they'll be going through hard times, and so they do. They'll start going to church, hoping that they will find help. In the church, I remember years ago there was a fellow that started coming to the church, and these people, man, they, they were they were living in a tent. That's how poor they were. And man, our church, they, we we felt bad for them. We wanted to be a help and a blessing to these folks. We took up an offering for them. We put them up in this. We put them up in this hotel. Uh, a guy in the church got him a job. He put he worked at a place. He had some sway with the boss, and he said, "Hey, there's this fellow. He needs a job. He's got a wife and kids. He wants to take care of." And he went and they got that guy a job. And the guy showed up for work like one time and never came back. Just walked off the job. Made that guy in the church look foolish. He was the one that recommended him. And then, after that, it's like, oh man, this church, you know, they're, they're trying to help us get a job. We don't want a job. We want a handout. And all of a sudden, they quit coming to church. And then, they ended up getting in trouble again. And then when they, all of a sudden, they came back to church with their hand out again. And then, didn't give them anything. And I don't know if it's the same story. There was this similar thing happened. I remember one time, you know, there was somebody that my dad didn't help the next time, and my dad got all kinds of nice words said to him that we're not allowed to say in church. And, I mean, these people are crazy. And, you know, God wants, if, and if we, a lot of Christian people, 
said, if God did, if He just if gave you everything you wanted, you would be out of the will of God so fast it wouldn't even be funny. And the things that God gives us are going to be things that are going to help us to do the work of the Lord. Things that are going to give us the ability to do good. I mean, you look at people that have just had everything handed to them. You know, look at people like you know the Kardashians that have never done anything. They've never accomplished anything in their life except being rich and famous. And anybody think they've done anything good with what they have? No. They've they've hurt the whole world. They've they have helped corrupt our culture. I mean, just bring society down. I mean, it's just disgusting. You know, the Paris Hiltons, just scumbags. Never done anything but had everything handed to them and they have done nothing good with it. And many people, if God gave them everything they think they deserve, they wouldn't be doing good with it. They would do evil with it. And God is going to give us things that are going to help us do good. And if we could prove in our finances... That if God that we're gonna do good with our finances, we're not gonna be ripping people off. We're not gonna be you know spending our money foolishly and wasting it on things. Maybe God would start giving us what we need so we can do things like missions giving and be able to be that cheerful giver. And so, but you know, no one can undo the good that one does when they give to the poor. Verse nine says, "Remember, poor saints, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad; he hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever." Okay, so you can't you can't undo it. Psalms one hundred and twelve is what that's quoting, and nobody can take that away from you. You know that's a work. There are some rewards that we see in the Bible that we can lose, but when we are a blessing, and when we talk, and when we talk about helping the poor, um, said. Missions given, I think, absolutely does that. Okay, because here's the thing: Do you think if these missionaries went to some of these foreign countries, you know, how how long would it take to get people in Africa to be able to give enough to support that pastor and his family? I mean, can you imagine? You know how they live over there in some of those countries. How would you like to go over and live like that? You know, we're all fine with the missionaries doing it, but it's another thing with us. I mean, look how long it takes in America, okay, a prosperous country, to start a church and get it going where a pastor's full time. It's definitely not going to happen in a foreign country like that. They've got to have help. And basically, what we're doing, we are helping those people over there take care of the pastor, which is kind of their responsibility, isn't it? And I believe that. It is so important that we do this. It is absolutely a necessary thing, and it can't be taken away from you. Okay, the souls that are saved, that reward, it's not going to go away. There are some rewards that we can lose, but there are some we can't, and that's one of them. And just remember, it's in verse ten. It says, "Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving." To God, we see that God, He is the one that causes the multiplication. Okay, now I understand that we might know scientifically what makes a seed, you know, a, you know, a little kernel of corn planted into the ground grow up into the stalk and produce multiple ears of corn with multiple pieces with multiple seed on that. We might scientifically know how that works, but at the same time, who is it that causes the increase? It's God, isn't it? Because it's God that creates the sunlight. It's God that creates you know all the oxygen and everything that those things need. 
It's God that does that. And it's God that will produce the fruit that comes from us giving. And you think, you know, me putting money into an offering plate. Scientifically, there's no way you giving to the church can multiply what you have. I hear people all the time, oh, well, they're just going to get a tax write-off for that. But they're not going to get 100% back, okay? Yeah, they get a tax. All right, you know, this one guy used to do it every time Walmart, they like, you know, they would always talk about the different things that they were donating money to, and this one guy, oh, yeah, they're just going to get a tax write-off for it. Okay, if they give $1,000, they're not going to get $1,000 back from the government. They're just not going to have to pay taxes on $1,000. It's going to save them a few extra bucks. Okay, so they gave 900 and some. All right, so, you know, stop acting like that. But people like to do that kind of thing. But you giving money away, there is no way scientifically that that can multiply. But who is it that causes the multiplication? Who is it that causes the fruit to grow? It's God that does. And God, we see Him defy the rules of science all the time. And He can do that. He's the one that created science and how everything works. And so one of the blessings that of giving to missions is it's going to cause more people to pray for you. Verse 12, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the Gospel of Christ and for your liberal, there it is again, distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for the, His unspeakable gift. So these people, they're praying for you. And what that's... Listen, do you think... I mean, who, who thinks it is not going to be very beneficial for you if some poor, hungry person in another country worshiping some false god, if through your giving... Somebody gets the gospel of that person. They get saved. You, who doesn't think that that person's prayer for you is not going to pack a punch? These missionaries, I know, they tell, they tell their people how they get out there. They tell them about their supporting churches. They pray for their supporting churches. I, I'm telling you right now, I love the thought of people in Spain praying for this church. I think that probably means something to God. I love the thought of people in Haiti and the Dominican Republic praying for this church. I'd like to get some people in some other countries praying for this church. I really believe it's going to make a difference. And many people, they never experience this unspeakable gift that was just talked about because they always want to be on the receiving end of things. And we've got to get past that mentality. I know it's big in America, but Jesus did say, Acts 20.35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You will be more happy being the giver. But listen, it's not. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to plan on it. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to sacrifice some things. Do whatever you have to do to get in a position to do that. You all figured out to do whatever you had to do so you could pay for all those satellite and internet and cell phones and big screen TVs. And you know what? I'm not against you going and buying cool stuff for yourself. We all figure out how to go spend 4 or $5 on Starbucks coffee. You all, you know, we all figure out how to do those things. Figure out how you can start giving to missions. It's God's going to bless you for it. He loves that cheerful giver. And I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. It is fun being a blessing. See if you can't save up that thousand dollars. 
and just go give it to a missionary and see his face. It'll be worth it. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to plan. You might you might have to save all year to do something like that. But that what that's twenty bucks a week, fifty week you know fifty weeks in a year. You, if you want to do that, you can do it. You might have to sacrifice a few things. You might have to start drinking water instead of soda. Well, that's huge sacrifice. <laughs> but if you want to, you can do it. So with that, let's all stand together.